This is episode number 71 of the Individual One podcast. For the record, individual number one is President Donald J. Trump. And I am your host, John Ziegler. We are broadcasting from Los Angeles, California, and distributed internationally by the Global Story Network. This is the bi-weekly program, which takes an honest and hard look at the presidency of Donald J. Trump from a conservative perspective, because unfortunately no one else is willing or able to tell the real truth about him. This is one of the last places where the real truth actually still matters. And unlike the corporate media, we here at the Individual One Podcast have most definitely not been compromised or co-opted. Welcome to the program. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share it via social media. Follow us on Twitter at Individual One Pod. That's Individual Number One Pod. We are taping this podcast during the lunch break of today, Wednesday's hearing into the impeachment inquiry of uh, Donald J. Trump. And this has been a very, very eventful day. Boy, that escalated quickly. Uh, because the uh, star witness for the Democrats happens to be on the stand as we speak, Ambassador Gordon Sunland. And it's important to point out who Gordon Sunland is. <laughs> it's almost bizarre that he's the star witness for the Democrats, because this is a guy who is a Republican, uh, who was not a Trump supporter, during the 2016 primaries, and because of that, he had to pay penance, right? You, you, have, to, you have to basically uh, make up your, for your past sins, and in order to make up for your past sins against the king, uh, Sunland had to give $1 million to Donald Trump's inaugural committee, which he did. Sunland is a very uh, Trump-like character. He's also in real estate. He's uh, very rich. Obviously, if you have a million dollars to give to the inaugural committee of a guy who didn't support at first uh, for president, and he got rewarded. He didn't just get absolved of his past sins. He got rewarded with the ambassadorship to the European Union, which, by the way, as an aside, seems like a pretty big job to give somebody simply because they were willing to write a check. Correct. But that's the world we live in in general, and it's particularly the world we live in in the realm of Donald Trump. Correct. So Sunlin is a guy who at first gave testimony that really was not very damaging to Donald Trump. Uh, he uh, apparently had huge problems with his memory. Uh, he didn't buy into this notion of quid pro quo. Uh, now all that has changed today in very dramatic fashion as his public testimony was aired live on every major television network, every news network, and I have to say right off the bat, last night on Twitter, I made an incorrect prediction because there were already starting to be some, some uh, I don't know if you call them rumors or leaks, coming out uh, from Republican sources that indicated that, uh-oh, Sunland is really going to bury the president. Sunland's going to throw everybody under the bus. This could be really bad for our side. And when I saw those leaks on Twitter to me, this reminded me of things that have happened in the past, not just in the Trump administration. We've seen this, frankly, I remember it very well during the Bill Clinton impeachment, where the Clinton people put out word that, oh, my gosh, remember this? If you're old enough to remember, uh, his grand jury testimony tape is just uh, a catastrophe. It's a train wreck. Oh, my God, this is going to be so bad. And then when the tape comes out and people have an expectation that it's going to be horrendous and it's not, it works to his advantage. And this felt to me like a classic expectations game play by Republicans 
who were going to set the bar so high for what Sunland was going to say against the president that it could never possibly be reached and that they would be able to declare some semblance of victory. Well, I was wrong about that. Uh, this was pretty close, not totally, but this was pretty close to a flipping of someone extremely close to Trump as you're ever going to get, at least so far, that you're ever going to get. Uh, because Sunlin uh, made it quite clear that, yes, uh, now that I've had time to think about it, this absolutely was a quid pro quo. Correct. And that it was very obvious that what really happened here was that the president of the United States was trying to extort the Ukrainian government into uh, at least saying that they were going to investigate Burisma slash the Bidens, as well as look into this crazy 2016 a CrowdStrike server uh, conspiracy theory that would absolve the Russians of their uh, nefarious actions in the 2016 election, which, by the way, is not getting nearly enough attention. I, I still don't know whether or not that was all about uh, trying to help Roger Stone in his trial where he just got convicted. I don't know whether or not it was just uh, Trump's ego. I don't know if it was trying to help Putin. Maybe it was a little bit of everything. I, I have no idea, but it's not getting enough attention, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that as we go along. But that it's clear from Sunland's testimony now that just as most of us have suspected and thought would eventually be proven to some level, has now been proven that, in fact, this was a quid pro quo, that the coercion, the extortion, bribery, some are calling it, that clearly this was all in an effort to try to use the leverage of U.S. military aid to the Ukraine, which they desperately needed to fight off the Russians, which is not at all coincidental here, I think could be another very much overlooked aspect of this whole story, considering uh, Trump's connections to Russia and obviously his affection for Putin and the entire Russian scandal and the fact that this phone call occurs the day after Robert Mueller's disastrous testimony. Uh, I'm not going to get into that. But the reality is uh, that uh, Sunland makes it very clear that, yes, just as we suspected, that's exactly what happened. And if there was one very short clip that uh, encapsulates this, it, it came in a Q&A with the head of the Intelligence Committee, Democrat Adam Schiff, who I guess you're not supposed to believe because, uh, according to Republicans, uh, his eyes are too big and his last name rhymes with shit. So therefore, he's not credible. That's that's the level of discourse we we've gotten to. You, that's that's what makes Adam Schiff not credible to me. Uh, Adam Schiff has done a pretty darn good job under extraordinarily difficult circumstances. And here is just a snippet, a very short snippet that really, I think, tells the full story in today's testimony uh, with Ambassador Gordon Sunland. You've testified that the White House meeting that President Zelensky desperately wanted, and that was very important to President Zelensky, was it not? Absolutely. You testified that that meeting was conditioned, was a quid pro quo for what the president wanted, these two investigations. Is that right? Correct. And that everybody knew it. Correct. And that's something that I have been suggesting now for quite a while, that everybody knew this. Everybody knew what was going on. And that's one of the headlines from Sunland's testimony, is that he doesn't just implicate President Trump in all of this. But he also implicates a whole bunch of other people, including Rudy Giuliani he throws under the bus, the Secretary of State Pompano he throws under the bus, uh, Rick Perry he seems to throw under the bus a bit. 
which may have an impact on future testimonies. But let's just focus on what Sunland had to say today and how it relates into the bigger picture. I have been trying to make the point for weeks now that one of the more damning elements to this narrative, of this narrative, is the idea that Trump didn't really seem interested in an actual investigation. Correct. He was interested in the announcement of that investigation, specifically by President Zelensky of the Ukraine. Correct. That is a huge difference. Huge difference because the whole argument here, if there is one, from Republicans, and it has been exceedingly weak, and today it's been pathetic, even more pathetic than normal, is the uh, the only argument they can come up with is, well, you know, the president, we all know how much he hates corruption. (laughs) And uh, this was his effort to try to make sure that our precious military aid uh, was used to at least get Ukraine to clean up their act. That's that's the attempted counter argument. Well, that's bullshit on so many different levels, uh, one of which is that he's never done this in any other circumstance. Two is then why the mention of Burisma, this company that Hunter Biden was on the board for and the Bidens. Why would you do that? There's there's no need to be uh, that specific. This was a a, a spec uh, on the overall scheme of the corruption issue, certainly worldwide and even within Ukraine. Uh, and obviously, Joe Biden is the person he fears most in the 2020 elections. So all of this is absurd. Anybody with a, a functioning brain Uh, But you know what else I think is getting underrated here? It's not just, and I will acknowledge that there is some conflicting testimony on was it just an announcement? Was there an actual investigation? But that can be cleared up. That, those conflicts can be cleared up. You know why? Because guess what happened? There was no investigation, either announced or instituted by the Ukrainian government against Burisma or the Bidens. Correct. Why wasn't there? Why did that not happen? Why was there no announcement as had been planned at some point? Well, we have a very good answer because the whistleblower complaint became known and then immediately, immediately the aid was restored. Correct. And once the aid was restored, guess what Ukraine no longer had to do? They no longer had to make an announcement nor do some sort of bullcrap investigation of Burisma and the Bidens because the the leverage over them had been withdrawn. Correct. It's all very understandable if you just think about it, if you see the timeline, if you use your brain, if you use any semblance of logic. Now, of course, that eliminates the vast majority of Trump fans. I love the poorly educated. And nothing's going to change that. I mean, nothing is go- nothing today is going to change that uh, basic reality. But if you care about facts, and there's a few people that still do, not many of us, if you care about the truth, if you care about logic, then this is all exceedingly clear. And none of this is a surprise to me. I've been saying this for weeks. This is what happened, and it would be at least somewhat proven. I will say that Sunland's testimony proved it a little bit more definitively and a little bit more quickly than I had anticipated. And, you know, so why did Sunland change his tune? Well, on paper, 
it certainly looks as if it's because he got scared of a perjury charge against him. And, you know, it's an interesting coincidence that Roger Stone now is going to prison for perjury, having lied uh, about uh, his dealings with uh, the WikiLeaks and the 2016 election and the uh, stolen emails, which, again, goes right back to the, Trump's obsession here with Ukraine and this, uh, the, this conspiracy theory that somehow the server was actually in Ukraine. The Ukraine was out to get him and that uh, Russia really had nothing to do with this. And it's all just utter insanity. But that's with Trump. You just never know. Is that what he really believes or is or is this all code language or something else? Uh, who knows? I, I, I am not naive and I don't like Sunland. I mean, Sunland seems like a jackass in his testimony. In fact, he might be almost as much of a jackass as Trump himself. Correct. And that's a really high bar. I mean, he is a, he was clearly enjoying himself during his testimony. Uh, so, I mean, there's probably a, a, a number of things going on here. He probably is afraid of, of a perjury situation. He probably enjoys the limelight. I, I doubt he really likes Trump personally, so he's kind of enjoying that part of it. But I also honestly think this guy doesn't have that good a memory. And, you know... That's always a difficult thing to discern. Are you not remembering because you honestly don't have a good memory or because that's the convenient way out of telling the truth? I don't have a solid answer on that. I'm open to his memory not being very good. But the most interesting element of his memory and his his powers of observation that I don't I, I don't have a conclusion on, but it's the key element to this is this whole idea of him not being able to connect. Burisma, the company for which Hunter Biden was on the board of directors, uh, and the Bidens themselves. Sunland's current story is, you know, wow, uh, it wasn't until I saw the readout of that infamous July 25th phone call that I realized, oh, my gosh, Burisma is the Bidens. Wow. I could have had a V8. Uh, you know, that's kind of the, the, the thing we're supposed to believe here. That's somewhat hard to believe. Uh, however, I got to tell you, my gut tells me it's possible that Sunland was just that dense. Uh, or it's also possible that that's just a good way of him getting out of a perjury charge. Uh, and that this was all about code language. I'm on the fence on this. But let's go to the code language situation, because that's at the heart of all this. And this, by the way, is going to allow the Trump cult to and his supporters in Congress to rationalize all of this. Because as we know from the Michael Cohen testimony, Trump speaks in code. We know this from the Russian investigation, that so much of this is mob-like code language. In the Russian investigation, the most important piece of code language was Russian adoption equals Russian sanctions. Correct. That's paramount. If you don't understand that Russian adoption is a synonym for Russian sanctions, it, it's not even worth discussing the rest of the scandal because that's what they said that infamous meeting at Trump Tower in New York was all about in November of 2016, the meeting that Donald Trump 
bizarrely and absurdly claims he had no knowledge of, even though it occurred in his building on a day when he was apparently there with his son there, with his son-in-law there, with his campaign chairman there. And it was about getting dirt from Hil- about Hillary Clinton from the Russian government. There's zero chance, zero chance Trump didn't know about that uh, 1,000%. Correct. But the storyline out of that was, well, they just wanted to talk about Russian adoption. No, they wanted to talk about, hey, are you guys in favor of lifting the Russian sanctions? That's what that's about. It's code. It's Russian sanctions. And that's what Russia would have wanted in what that might be described as a quid pro quo during the 2016 election. Well, similarly, they use code language here with regard to Ukraine. They said Burisma. Now, Burisma to Trump and to Rudy Giuliani and to people with a brain means Biden's. Because why else would Trump give a rat's ass about Burisma except for the connection to the Bidens and the fact that Joe Biden is by far the most dangerous candidate he may face in the 2020 election? It's obvious to anybody with half a brain. But apparently not, at least initially, to Sunland, and apparently not to some other people. Maybe it was... Uh, all about plausible deniability. Maybe it was uh, it was cognitive dissonance. Maybe it was convenient ignorance. Who the hell knows? But it's it is as clear as it could be that Barisma is code. Barisma equals Biden. Twenty sixteen. I'm not sure what that equals. Twenty sixteen. Origins of that whole uh, controversy and an investigation that could mean Roger Stone, that could mean uh, Paul Manafort. Uh, who who the hell knows? Uh, that that could that could mean all sorts of different things. I'm not sure, but it's obvious that it's code for something. This is the way Trump talks. This is a, a great way to do things if you're a mob boss. And I'll tell you the other element of this that might not be clearly obvious but I think is important uh, for context here because Sunland's testimony is going to provide a couple of snippets that the Trump cult are going to hang on to desperately uh, as evidence that somehow uh, you know, Trump is not implicated in this. One of them is that when Sunland was involved in this now infamous text exchange, and by the way, there's some bizarre texts between uh, Sunland and other people uh, with the, the, the Trump people might refer to as being in the deep state here. But uh, within the State Department, my, my favorite is when when Sunland texts Ambassador Volker, quote, I think POTUS really wants the deliverable. Probably not a great idea that when you are texting somebody. <laughs> that you use the word deliverable, the deliverable, in connection with POTUS, meaning President of the United States. Probably not a great idea, but that's code language. That's the way the mob would do things in a text. The deliverable there was investigations of Biden, using another code word, a barisma. But going back to the things that Sutherland said that the Trump colder hang on to during one of these text messages. This is with Ambassador Taylor. He takes a break. He takes a break from the messaging to call Trump. 
And after the call with Trump, he says the president doesn't want a quid pro quo. He testified that he had a conversation with Trump during that time period and which Trump says no quid pro quo. Now, the Trump cult will say, well, there you go. Proof. There's no quid pro quo because Trump is telling the ambassador to the EU, who is his point man on Ukrainian issues for some strange reason, uh, at least one of them. And he's saying, I don't want a quid pro quo. That's proof there was no quid pro quo. Well, first of all, you're ex- you're forgetting the fact that Trump is a pathological liar. Correct. All right. That, that's number one. I, I loved I loved that the Republican uh, lawyer actually tried um, uh, incredulously to, to tell Ambassador Sutherland, well, wait a minute. You do know that the president was called by Senator Johnson, Republican Senator Johnson, and uh, it is early on in the scandal. And Trump emphatically told Senator Johnson, no, I would never do anything like this. This is outrageous. Emphatically, this is all fake news. I'm paraphrasing as if that's somehow evidence that somehow President Trump privately telling a senator, no, I would never do this before there's a a voluminous amount of evidence proving that he did. And he's anticipating that that evidence is never going to come forward because people aren't going to turn on him. This is a guy who thinks nothing of lying, nothing, nothing. It's it's it, it doesn't even get his pulse rate to go up. The idea that that's evidence is absurd. So is the idea that Trump told Sondland that there's no quid pro quo. I think he also told him, I just, what do you want from Ukraine? I just want him to do the right thing. Here's why all that's irrelevant. Number one, because Trump is not, especially in this realm, a total moron. Trump knows he Trump knows you have to provide plausible deniability here. But here's the other thing that maybe is even more important than that. This is why Rudy Giuliani exists in this. This is all happening on two tracks. There's the traditional State Department track where Trump knows, you know what, I'm in perilous waters here. I need to be more careful with these people because they're not, I don't know really who they are. They're not uh, 100% loyal to me. They might actually care about things. They might actually be offended by this. So when he's dealing with the legitimate people, or at least the semi-legitimate people, he needs to be careful. With Rudy, he can let it all hang out. Because Rudy is the guy who actually believes in this stuff probably more than Trump does, with at least with regard to the conspiracies. He's knee-deep in his own corruption with regard to Ukraine. And and they just gone through the Russian investigation where Rudy was his his thug. And so Rudy is running a shadow State Department. It's Rudy who's getting the quid pro quo done. It's Rudy that's making clear what the president really wants so that Trump can have at least some semblance of plausible deniability. This is all quite understandable. If you know all the facts, you look at all the context, and you use your brain. Unfortunately, as I said many times, very, very few Trump supporters are in that category. I love the poorly educated. So Sutherland throws everybody else under the bus here. As I've said before, he could be provoking others to come forward. Uh, I don't know whether or not his change had that much to do with the Roger Stone verdicts, but I'm sure it didn't hurt. And here's the number one thing you need, all you need to know in case you have any 
hesitancy at all as to what a disaster this was for Republicans. All you had to do was watch the alleged cross-examination by Republican Congressman Devin Nunez against Sutherland. Devin Nunez, if you don't know who he is, he's a congressman from here in California who is a conspiracy nut, a a complete nut job. He's not very bright, and he is one of the top three or four, if not the top, Trump sycophant in all of Congress, both the Senate and the House of Representatives. And when he had an opportunity to cross-examine Sunland, now again, remember, this is a Trump witness. This is, this is the man who gave a million dollars to the Trump inaugural committee. This is the man who Donald Trump appointed as the ambassador to the European Union. This is a Republican. So if Trump's side had any legitimate argument at all, the cross-examination would be devastating. Devastating, because you got a Republican Trump sycophant questioning a guy Trump has called a great American. Trump has called a great American. Instead of there being devastating cross-examination, and let me clean all this up, and I'm going to poke holes in the Democratic case, there was nothing. There was absolutely nothing. Nunez started spouting a whole bunch of bull crap about all sorts of conspiracy theories. I thought he was going to get into Jeffrey Epstein's murder uh, or the JFK assassination or the moon landing or Bigfoot or the Loch Ness monster. I mean, it was it was hilarious. And the Republican counsel, who's really not that bad, he seems like a pretty smart guy, a lot smarter than Nunez. He didn't have much more either. And in his second cross-examination, he actually didn't even use up all of his time. Frankly, I don't think they should have questioned Sunlin at all because they made almost no significant points. And in a lot of times they allowed Sunlin to blow up a lot of their argument, which I don't even know what their argument is at this point, other than to move the goalposts very far from where they they were originally. Originally, the goalposts were, wow, well, look, if there was ever a quid pro quo proven, uh, then that would be really bad. And there would have to be some accountability for that. Well, now we're far gone from that because the quid pro quo has been proven by people very, very close to Trump. It will continue to be proven. And now they've had to move the goalposts out of the stadium because they don't want the goalposts to be hit. That's why Lindsey Graham doesn't want to to hear any more about the uh, investigation. He doesn't want to hear any more testimony. He doesn't hear any more evidence. Don't bother me with the facts. I've already made up my mind. In fact, all of this is a situation where Republicans have come to a conclusion. Now they're just desperately trying to come up with a way to rationalize that conclusion. And they're having a very difficult time because there is no way to do it. It could not be more clear. And uh, now, will it matter? I'm very skeptical as to whether or not it will matter. But before we get to to why I'm skeptical of that, I do want to go through a couple of things that happened yesterday. Uh, Because yesterday's testimony was, while not as dramatic and will now be pretty much soon forgotten in the wake of what happened with Ambassador Sunland, there were some interesting things that occurred. And a lot of that focused on Lieutenant Colonel Vindman. Now, Vindman is a guy who is uh, on the National Security Council. Uh, He is a war hero. He showed up in his military uniform, which I'm sure must, must have driven Donald Trump crazy. And yet Republicans still tried to attack him. And the most dramatic moment of his testimony didn't really have necessarily to do with the substance, which was very damaging to Trump, 
But it had to do with this idea that here this this war hero who has been defamed by right-wing state-run media like Laura Ingram as some sort of Ukrainian double agent because his family immigrated to the United States when he was a toddler. I mean, this guy is everything uh, that we used to uh, hold dear in this country. I mean, he is, no one's perfect, but I mean, his persona, his narrative used to be revered, especially by Republicans. Well, no, he made the greatest sin of all because he's testifying in a way that is damaging to the king, Donald Trump. And here is Vindman yesterday talking about the the issue of having to go up against Donald Trump and all of that means. And we would later learn that he is now apparently under special protection because of fears for his safety because of Trump's attacks on him. And here was the the rather dramatic moment uh, when he uh, responds to this issue of does he have the courage to take on the most powerful man in the world? He deeply worried about it because in his context, there was there was the ultimate risk. And why do you have confidence that you can do that and tell your dad not to worry? Congressman, because this is America. This is the country I've served and defended, uh, that all of my brothers have served, and here, right matters. Thank you, sir. Yield back. All right, now you heard that smattering of applause there. Now, that doesn't sound very dramatic, but any kind of applause in this hearing is basically forbidden. And so for people to applaud at all, they had to be particularly moved and unafraid that someone was going to uh, force them out of the hearing room. That's how big of a moment that was. And just to be clear, he was referring to the fact that his father was concerned uh, for his well-being because of all this. I wish I had that kind of confidence that Lieutenant Colonel uh, Vindman has in uh, where we are as a country. I'm not sure that that's still the case. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes. I thought he was exceedingly credible. He was credible, by the way, not just in his persona and his temperament and, and his demeanor, but also because there were, there were several things that he said that were not perfectly designed to attack President Trump, things that he acknowledged he didn't know about, uh, things that could have been conceivably positive or more positive to Donald Trump. I thought he was as straight an arrow as you could possibly get. And it's absolutely disgusting that led by President Trump, Republicans have chosen to try to destroy him and his credibility and uh, they've not done so successfully. I think it was a dumb idea on their part, but more than anything else, it was completely and totally disgusting. Correct. And another thing that happened yesterday, which I found to be very interesting, uh, is that Ambassador Volcker, again, these are this is a Republican witness. This is a Republican witness, guy appointed by Donald Trump. He made it exceedingly clear, Volcker did, on multiple occasions, both in his opening statement, as well as his testimony, that the heart of this matter, the heart of this matter, let's remember what the heart of this matter is, Trump's fear of Joe Biden as a general election candidate who would crush him, which I've been saying for many, 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 many months, and I still maintain that, and that's that's been vindicated in every possible way, that the heart of this whole thing, and Trump's claim that uh, they could they could smear him with an investigation of corruption in Ukraine is 
bogus. And it's bogus because it's a conspiracy with no evidence and it's not the person he knows in Joe Biden. Here was Ambassador Volker yesterday. At the one in-person meeting I had with Mayor Giuliani on July 19th, Mayor Giuliani raised and I rejected the conspiracy theory that Vice President Biden would have been influenced in his duties as vice president by money paid to his son. As I previously testified, I have known Vice President Biden for 24 years. He is an honorable man and I hold him in the highest regard. Again, Republican ambassador appointed by Trump knew the whole thing was a bullcrap conspiracy theory put forward by Rudy Giuliani and was not consistent with the man that he knows in Joe Biden, a guy who I have great disagreements with. I'm not sure he's 100% fit to be president. He's a gaffe machine. I disagree with him on most policies, but I do believe this. I believe Joe Biden to be a good person. And here was Volcker in his actual Q&A with the chairman of the Intelligence Committee, Adam Schiff. Ambassador, let me also ask you about uh, the allegations against uh, Joe Biden, because that has been a continuing refrain uh, from some of my colleagues as well. Uh, why was it you found the allegations against Joe Biden related to his son or Burisma not uh, to be believed? Simply because I've known uh, Vice President, former Vice President Biden for a long time. I know how he respects uh, uh, his duties of higher office, and it's just not uh, credible to me that uh, a vice president of the United States is going to do anything other than act as how he sees best for the national interest. Interesting that he said a vice president of the United States. I don't think this is what he had in mind, but I immediately thought, well, but not a president. I'd have no problem believing a president would be willing to, and able to do this kind of thing because I've worked with President Trump. And that's the way Trump, President Trump acts on a daily basis. Correct. Again, those are my words. I don't even know that that's what Volcker was thinking. But it's so important to put in context who these people are. These are not Democrats. These aren't even deep state people. These are people appointed by President Trump. These are Republican witnesses. And uh, the, the Republican witnesses alone uh, have been devastating to the case against Trump. But you know what? I, I'm not that impacted by it because I have felt all along that this is what we were going to find out. From the moment this story broke, I was like, OK, that certainly sounds like Trump. Uh, does it make sense? Yeah. Does he have a self-interest in doing this? Yeah. Does it fit with his M.O.? Yeah. Uh, is the evidence uh, at least uh, initially indicating that, uh, you know, the, the facts are going to back that up? Yeah. Uh, so none of this is remotely surprising. Again, the only part of this that's a little bit surprising to me is how quickly and how definitively this has been proven. Will it matter? My guess is not very much. I mean, on the margins, this will matter. There'll be a lot of teeth gnashing. I think we're going to see some muting of the Republican uh, intensity of support. Again, we're doing this during the, the recess, so I don't know what the afternoon is going to be about. I, I am very curious to see what Jim Jordan <laughs> Uh, Congressman Jim Jordan, Republican from Ohio, what his questioning of Sunland is going to be about, uh, you know, will they will they give him his shot? You know, the shot that turns him into the Incredible Hulk. I'm convinced I'm convinced that, the you know, back, backstage before all these committee hearings, they take Jim Jordan. He doesn't wear a jacket. He's just got the white shirt and he, and he rolls up his sleeves and someone injects him with a shot that turns him into the Incredible Hulk. 
and uh, and and he turns into a crazed maniac. And, you know, he needs to dive on every hand grenade on behalf of Donald Trump, the man who saved him from what I believe to be bogus allegations of enabling child sex abuse, not child sex abuse, adult sex abuse at the at Ohio State University when he was an assistant wrestling coach there. Uh, that's a whole nother story. But that's, I think, at the heart of why Jim Jordan is a rabid beast on behalf of Donald Trump. And I would be even mildly surprised, although if they shoot him up good, maybe he doesn't have any control over it. But I would be mildly surprised if even Jim Jordan's attacks on Sutherland are up to his normal standards. I don't know that because, again, we're taping this before that happened. But I think that would be an interesting tell. More broadly, though, I think we'll see potentially some other witnesses be more willing to be forthcoming because now they're not the ones that are proving the quid pro quo. They're just substantiating it. They're just telling the truth. I don't know that. Obviously, a lot of eyes are going to be on John Bolton. John Bolton was has been referenced numerous times in the last couple of days. Will John Bolton come forward? I think Bolton now has probably enough cover to do so. I'm a big believer in the theory that people need cover to do something that requires any sort of courage. And so now there is more cover for someone else to potentially come forward. But I am a cynic. I'm certainly very cynical when it comes to whether or not the 40% of support that Donald Trump enjoys will be impacted by any of this. And I still don't see that path. I mean, at this point, you're already proving something that has essentially already been proven. There's a diminishing, you know, law of diminishing marginal returns where, okay, you've proven it. But do people care? Yeah, um, a lot of people care. But do 65% of the American people really care? Because that's what you need as a bare bones minimum. You need 65% of the American people to really care. If you get 65% to be outraged enough to say, you know what, this is not just impeachable, but Trump should be removed from office, now you got something. Until you get there, the only other way this is all going to collapse on Trump is that major players within the Republican Party, specifically in the Senate, turn on him. And that's not going to happen because there is no current cover. And then there's no current cover because the state-run media is still with him and that 40% of his support is still apparently rock solid. Now, I use my wife as a one-person focus group on this. That's always very dangerous, and I'm not pretending that I place everything on her perspective. But she's, she's a pretty darn good one-person focus group. You know, she's uh, 46 years old. She's a female, obviously, with uh, two young children. So she's very, very busy. She's also not an overtly political person. She is not a full-on Trump supporter, thank goodness. But she is, a, I would say, a soft Trump supporter. And so she's a good focus group in that, one, she doesn't hear about like 95% of the stuff that we talk about on this podcast, because trust me, this is not what we talk about <laughs> with two young kids, a seven-year-old and a two-year-old daughter running around. So, so if something makes it onto her radar, I find that to be significant. Now, yesterday we had a fascinating exchange. The first exchange was that she wanted to ask me about a news story, but it wasn't this. It was a political news story, allegedly political news story. She told me that she had heard that 
the night before when a Democrat was on Hardball and MSNBC that apparently he had farted on live television. That's what she had heard about. And she thought that was hilarious. Now, to be clear, not that I give a damn, but I don't know if there's any evidence that that actually even happened. That's been all over the Internet. Who the hell knows where the sound came from? More importantly, who the hell cares? But that made it onto my wife's radar. That made it onto my wife's radar. Lieutenant Colonel Vidman did not make it on to my wife's radar. But later on in the day, I believe it was during the Vidman testimony or it might have been in, in uh, the testimony of Volker, whoever it was. So we're, we had a very rare moment uh, where we had a very brief conversation while the television was on. And my wife says to me, you know, I don't know this story at all. She's being very sincere. I don't know this story at all. Can you explain it to me? Now, knowing her uh, position of being a soft Trump supporter, she doesn't like Trump, but she really hates the Democrats, and her family is all full-on Trump supporters, I thought, you know, maybe I could make some progress here if I took the opposite If I turned upside down, what would have been my normal inclination? Instead of diving head on into, well, let me tell you how outrageous this is. And let me tell you what Trump did that was impeachable and why in a rational world he ought to be removed. Instead of going that route, I went the opposite way, which I thought was frankly pretty clever. (laughs) But you can decide for yourself on how this turned out. So instead of going down the path of Trump is guilty as hell, I say to her, and this is almost a direct quote, I, I, I proceed to go into the following analysis. I say, well, Allison, um, good question. I'm glad you asked. Let me explain this story. To understand what happened with regard to Trump and the Ukraine, the first thing you really need to wrap your brain around is the reality of how much Donald Trump abhors corruption just how much he cares about the issue of corruption, all kinds of corruption. And you also need to understand just how deeply dedicated Donald Trump is in his DNA, in his essence as a person, how deeply dedicated he is to rooting out corruption of all types, especially in the Ukraine. And she interrupts me and she says, no, 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 seriously, can you tell me what this story is really all about? Because <laughs> she, she immediately knows, all right, this is bullshit. Uh, you know, she knows enough about Trump to know this can't possibly be true. So I thought that was uh, interesting. <laughs> and I think it, it told me a lot about, okay, at least she's not a full-on Trump supporter because the full-on Trump supporter would go, okay, all right, yeah, that sounds right, tell me more. Well, What's important about this is not just that my wife caught on to my obvious uh, uh, sarcasm, but that's the heart of the Trump argument. The heart of the Trump argument is he cared so much about corruption that he was going to leverage our U.S. military aid to the Ukraine to make sure they rooted it out, or at least made an announcement saying that they were going to root it out, although he wanted that specific to the 2016 election and to Burisma slash the Bidens, that doesn't hold water. That dog doesn't hunt, at least with someone like my wife. But here's the bigger problem. So that's good. That that part is good. The bigger problem is my wife does not understand that a quid pro quo has been proven. She doesn't understand the significance of it because in order to do that, it requires 
hours and hours of you listening and watching on television, assessing the credibility of who these people are, the context of their testimony, the fact that they're not anti-Trump people, what you should believe, what you shouldn't believe, how it is that uh, when uh, someone says Burisma, they actually mean the Bidens. You need to understand all this. So the people, I would guarantee, I mean, this is, I've seen this happen a lot in a lot of different stories, but it would be fascinating to me, and I hope someone does this, but I doubt they will. As a former uh, polling analyst for Quinnipiac University, I would have suggested that we do this, and I think it would have gotten a lot of play. And I did a little bit of this on my own uh, with regard to scientific polling after the 2008 election. I, did, I, I commissioned two different polls that did this at its core. I would love, 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 love to see the opinion on impeachment and removal of Trump based upon nothing other than the number of hours you have watched of the testimony. I, tr- I am positive, positive, that people who have watched, say, more than five or ten hours of television coverage of the impeachment hearings, that the percentage of people who would believe in Trump's removal would be off the charts. I mean, probably 80, 90 percent. Now, part of that's because the Trump fans aren't watching to begin with because they, they're not that interested. They sense this is bad news. There, there's nothing in it for them. That's, that's a huge part of it. But part of it is also that's the level of education you need to finally have all the lights go off and be certain, oh, okay, this was really bad. This is impeachable. This is worthy of renew, removal. My, my secondary guess about that theoretical poll is that if someone has watched no testimony, like my wife, because she's really busy, the percentage of people who would believe in Trump's removal would be nearly minuscule. I mean, it it might be as low as 20, 30 percent, maybe even less than that. And so, you know, that's that's pathetic. And this is where I go back to this isn't 1974 anymore, because in 1974, people had no choice but to watch this. The, the numbers are good, but they're not astronomical as far as the television ratings for all of this. I think people are paying attention enough for it to warrant the major networks continuing to cover it, but not enough to get it to the 65%. That's what you need. That's the bare bones minimum of 65% favor of impeachment and removal to start to scare the living crap out of the right Republicans to finally throw Donald Trump under the bus. And I don't think we're there yet, and I don't see how we do get there because of the inherent problems I've told you previously with the story. Yes, it's bad, but it's very difficult to fully understand. There's no, uh, no, there's no in-your-face smoking gun. There's, there's no impact to average Americans on on why this is so horrible. How did it impact my life? People don't know that much about Ukraine. They can't even find it on the map. There's not even a recording of the phone call. So there's a lot of inherent problems with the story. None of that's going to change. Nothing has fundamentally changed because today it was for 100% proven that there was a quid pro quo. None of that. None of it will change. Now, as far as Trump's impeachment, he's going to be impeached. For sure. I've been saying that for a very long time. There's a lot of reasons why he should be impeached. One of them, it was learned this week, is now just now being investigated. And this is something I've discussed. In fact, I talked about in the last episode of the Individual One podcast. And that is that 
Trump's answers to Robert Mueller in the Mueller investigation, his written answers, were perjurious. I've been saying this for a very long time. It's been baffling to me that no one seems to care, especially since, guess what Bill Clinton got impeached for by Republicans, some of the very same people that are in Congress today, including Lindsey Graham leading the charge. Well, it was about lying. It was about perjury. Far less substantial perjury in the Clinton situation than in the Trump circumstance. And I wrote a column, which you can find at our Twitter handle, which is Individual1Pod. I hope you'll check it out. I wrote it for Mediate, where I write my columns as a senior columnist. But this is a really important column. All my columns are important, but this one's really important because I go through comparing how Republicans reacted to Bill Clinton's perjury in 1998, perjury that was in a civil deposition and then in front of a federal grand jury about covering up an affair. And I was outraged by that, and I thought Clinton should have been removed. I'm one of about 43 people left in this country who were both in favor of Clinton being removed and Trump being removed. But I'll tell you something, as outraged as I was in that situation— Trump's written answers, written answers after having promised a, an interview to Mueller and then reneging on that promise. He said, 100% I'll do an interview, and that was a lie. Written answers need to be held to a higher standard than live testimony because obviously written answers are vetted by your attorneys. You have all the time in the world to go over every dotted I, cross T, every single word you use. If you lie in a written answer that's under oath, in a, in a subject matter this important, I'm sorry, that's impeachable. And there are at least three blatant lies. I've already referenced one of them earlier in this in this episode of the podcast, the, the not having no knowledge of the infamous Trump Tower meeting. You lie there as president of the United States. If that's impeachable for Bill Clinton, that's 100 percent and more so impeachable for Donald Trump because his lies and perjury are way worse. And we've just now learned that it's only being investigated, that's now started, by a Democratic committee. Now, maybe that's because of the Roger Stone convictions. The Roger Stone convictions really do make it clear-cut that, oh, by the way, uh, uh, Donald Trump lied uh, about knowledge of the WikiLeaks situation and had communication, according to his, uh, one of his campaign chairmen, assist, I think it was the assistant campaign chairman, Gates, testified at Roger Stone's trial that Stone and Trump communicated directly and had prior knowledge of WikiLeaks uh, uh, revealing of Democratic emails that had been stolen by Russia. This goes directly to the heart of the issue of alleged or potential Russian collusion. And, and as I'll continue to say, and I know people don't like it because they like Robert Mueller, who I do think is a good man, Robert Mueller completely and totally crapped the bed in all of this strategically. And I think he totally wimped out. Uh, I'm not going to get into that. Uh, but the reality is Trump lied to Mueller. Mueller said it was inadequate. He should have pursued a subpoena. I don't think that Trump would have won politically a subpoena fight. Uh, the Rogers would have given time for the Roger Stone verdicts to happen. And we would be in a very different position right now. Uh, and I think Trump could have theoretically been removed from office, and at the very least, the case would have been a lot stronger. I would actually prefer Trump to be impeached over things related to the Russian investigation than the Ukrainian situation. They're both impeachable, but to me, there's so many more elements that are far more significant in the bigger picture with regard to the Russian investigation. Uh, but he will be impeached. 
I just do not believe he's going to be removed. As far as the politics of what's going on, there's a couple of new polls that are interesting. There's a New Hampshire poll showing that Pete Buttigieg is now leading in New Hampshire, so he's now leading in, Ohio, in, in Iowa and New Hampshire. This New Hampshire poll is not particularly credible. It's a very small sample size, and so I think it's right not to give it too much weight. I did find it interesting and notable that within that poll, as I've been saying, and I even wrote a column about this months ago, that all you need to know to prove that Joe Biden is way more electable against Donald Trump than Elizabeth Warren is look at results from New Hampshire. Because in that same poll that has Buttigieg leading among Democrats, it shows Biden beating Trump in New Hampshire, which is a swing state. Uh, Trump lost it by a couple thousand votes last time. Biden beats Trump by eight points. Eight he only, uh, Warren only beats Trump by one. That's a seven-point difference, which is huge. It's critical, cr- critical, but here's the most important thing. New Hampshire is the state right next to Massachusetts, which is where Elizabeth Warren is a senator. These are people that know Elizabeth Warren exceedingly well. And by a seven-point margin, they prefer Biden over Warren when it comes to a head-to-head battle with Trump in a key swing state. That ought to prove for all time that Elizabeth Warren is far, far, far less electable than Joe Biden. And I would submit that's before the whole Pocahontas, Focahontas issue has been fully uh, litigated in front of the American people, which I have said many times is devastating to her. But we'll find out whether or not Democrats are going to understand this. I have my doubts. There's a huge debate uh, on MSNBC tonight. That'll be interesting to see how it plays out, whether Biden will finally be able to take advantage of uh, this whole controversy involving the Ukraine. I don't think he's done so as well as he could have. Uh, but if he has a strong performance tonight, he's still, I think, well positioned to be the nominee. And if he is the nominee, I think he dusts Donald Trump uh, off the map. I, I think he would win uh, for sure. By what margin? I don't know. But he's the only one I'm very confident would beat Donald Trump. So if he's the nominee, Trump doesn't win re-election. If he's not the nominee, all bets are off. With that said, symbolically, symbolically, just to, so that, it, you know, I, I hate the idea that nothing matters anymore. So uh, symbolically, I'm going to change the percentages just ever so slightly because of the events of today with regard to whether or not Trump finishes his first term in office and whether or not he wins re-election. Both are going to be at all-time worst levels for Trump, but only by very, 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 very small margins. I'm going to put it at 16% chance now, 16% all-time high that Donald Trump does not finish his first term in office and a 38% chance that he will be reelected for another four years of nightmare for the United States of America and the rest of the world. On that happy note, uh, that'll do it for this episode, episode number 71 of the Individual One podcast. Not 100% sure when the next episode will be, but it will be soon, I promise you. But we're heading into the Thanksgiving holiday, so everything's a little bit in flux, but... If events warrant, we will be doing uh, episode number 72 at a, uh, very, in a very short period of time. Until then, please remember to subscribe, rate, review, and share. All of this via social media. Follow us on Twitter at Individual1Pod. That's Individual Number One Pod. And until next time, my name is John Ziegler. You're listening to the Global Story Network.